Hey, this is Jim. Welcome to My White Belt, episode number one. And I have no idea what I am doing. Let's just open with the fact that this is a podcast about white belts. And when it comes to podcasting, I am like a trial class white belt. Sitting in a small room, it feels like I'm talking to myself. Totally unnatural. It's like that first time you walk into a jiu-jitsu school and you know you don't know how to tie your belt you don't realize that it goes around your body twice and so you've got like this long dangling eight mile white belt with these baggy pants that you probably put on backwards and pulled the drawstring out and the gi top you know how to put that on but you have no idea what you're doing and every bit of insecurity and uh, and all of those things that go along with being a beginner uh, come to the surface. And that's this moment of this podcast. But I am glad that you are here and you are getting to witness a purple belt talking about white belts, being a white belt when it comes to making a podcast. And the reason that we are here is because, well, more than likely the reason that you're here is because we've been hanging out on Instagram, which is really cool. Several years ago, gosh, probably three and a half years ago, I started uh, an Instagram, the My White Belt Instagram. And for two and a half, three years, I had, let's say, maybe about, I think I had around 800 people who were part of that community. Then about three and a half months ago, I had this weird series of things happen. One of the things was I was sitting in a restaurant with a friend of mine lamenting how how discouraged I was about my jiu-jitsu game, and John Danaher walked by the booth. This is a true story. I may do an entire episode on it. But about three and a half months ago, I was at a restaurant just outside of Boston, lamenting my jiu-jitsu career. And John Danaher walked by the booth, and I made eye contact with him. And I said, excuse me. And he came and sat down with us. And it, it kind of blew my mind and was, I didn't, I, I thought maybe I was having a stroke. Because I had been watching a Danaher video before before we even went out to dinner. And I posted a picture of he and I on the on the gram and talked a little bit about that experience. And then the next day I posted a picture of a guy from our gym, a guy named Steve. I posted a picture of Steve getting his blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at 73 years old. And that post, over a thousand of you liked it within a day. And I thought to myself, yeah, this is what we're missing. We've got all of these, we've got all of these online tutorials of people doing flying helicopter arm bars and all of these acrobatic, really impressive, flashy submissions. 
And then we've got all of the memes, the funny memes that we all like to look at and laugh at because we know all of the funny little nuances and ins and outs of training jujitsu. But what we didn't have really was a page where we got to see guys like Steve at 73 years old getting his blue belt and a page really devoted to saying if you are on the fence about trying Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's time to get off the fence and get on the mat. And for others who already were training and maybe were in their first year of struggling as a white belt, a page that said, hey, stay in it, don't give up. These things that you are experiencing as obstacles, they are common to all of us. And then to provide some direction that is less technique-based and less um, less comedy-based, like a lot of the memes that we see, but one that just offered some insight from somebody who very, very clearly remembers being a white belt. And somebody who over the last four years... As, as I've watched people come and go in jiu-jitsu to kind of have a sense of why people stay and why people leave, but recognizing that if you stay, you will be amazed at what happens. And so that was the reason for the Instagram podcast. So here we are. I asked you to submit questions, and you did. So... Um, we are going to jump in to our first voicemail from the White Belt Hotline. The phone number will be listed in the show notes. Every week we'll do some Q&A. And here is our first voicemail question. Hey, what's going on? My name's Eamon. Uh, I train at Danny Savory Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Somerset, Massachusetts. My question to you is, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you were a no-stripe white belt, what advice would you give yourself on this journey of jiu-jitsu? Oh, man, it's such a good question because I was a nightmare white belt. Um, so let me back up. I'm going to answer your question, but let me just give a little backstory around my jiu-jitsu journey. So for years and years and years as a kid, I did karate lessons. And you know the kind of karate lessons I mean. I mean, a lot of people that I talk to who train jiu-jitsu grew up doing some kind of a theoretical martial art. And, and let's be really clear, I, I'm not here to crap on other people's martial arts. I mean, not yet anyhow, because we're just getting to know each other, but... There was this version of karate lessons that was available to us, and it looked like lining up and doing tons and tons of calisthenics, jumping jacks and running in place and push-ups and the whole thing, tons of it. And then we would learn how to kick and punch the air. And occasionally we would kick and punch a guy holding a pad, but not very much. And then we would string all the moves together and we would learn these combinations and then after a little while, some guy would come up to you with a rubber knife and they would teach you how to, how to block the knife and stab the guy in his own leg with his own knife. 
And it just was its own thing. At the end of class for like a few minutes, we would put on what seemed like 25 pounds of padded gear. We had headgear and shin protectors and foot protectors and these big red century martial art boxing glove looking things. And we would try to spar, but the teacher who we had to call sensei or master would say, don't, you know, don't really hit the guy that hard. So here we here we are with, you know, 25 pounds of thick red padding and we still weren't really supposed to hit each other. And it was fine. And we thought it was a thing that would protect us in the street. And I did it for years and I thought it was the greatest thing. And I prided myself in having studied karate. I think it's funny when people call karate karate, but it was a thing. We did it. And then, you know, years later, this is probably like nine years ago, one of my friends from the town that I live in, who at the time was a BJJ brown belt, invited me to his school. And it's important for you to know that I was very fat at this point in my life. I've this is going to be an entire another episode, but I spent a bunch of my life morbidly obese. At my heaviest weight, I was 430 pounds. So when I was invited to go to this class, I was not that big, but I was a very, very large man. All I can say is when we were doing karate, it's a good thing that we weren't training mount because n- nobody wants to be mounted by a 430-pound man, but... I'll, I'll put that story aside for a moment. So I showed up at I showed up at this jujitsu school that my friend was a brown belt at, and they were like, "Yeah, no, you can't wear a karate gi. You've got to wear this gi here. We'll give you a loner gi." And their their biggest loner gi was still a little tight on me, and it was really really heavy and and blue. And so I put this blue, heavy, worn-out jujitsu gi on, went into class. There was no, like, bowing, or and it, and it wasn't called a dojo. It was called a gym, and you just put on your gi, and you got on the mat. And we ran a bit, and we did some warm-ups, and I was completely and utterly gassed out just from the warm-ups. And then we got into drilling the technique. And so this is, you know, again, this is nine years ago, and I didn't know anything about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And my friend invited me because he knew that I had done karate and that I was into the martial arts and thought I would enjoy it and so on and so forth. Well, the first day was, I mean, I didn't know. I had no idea what it was. When I described it to my friends after going to the class, I was like, yeah, I went in. And this guy with this weird belt, like sat on my chest the whole day. And I thought my arm was going to fall off. Well, what I know now (laughs) is that we were working mount to escard to armbar. I had no idea what that was then. And the other thing that I found out was my training partner that day was a guy who had been a black belt for so long that his black belt had turned white. You've seen those guys before. This guy, his name is Jack, and he's amazing. He's 
I, I have no idea how long he's been training jujitsu, but he's a legendary mythical figure in our area. And he was my training partner for the day. He's a nice guy. He's like the best, but he's there to, but he's also there to train. And some like weird, chubby, doughy trial class white belt who's probably not going to stay. I don't know. He was not a jerk. Let's be really clear about that. But he also did not compromise his training time on the mat. So an hour and a half of that, I don't even have, I don't have any idea what I did while people, while people were rolling. I can't imagine that I rolled because my body felt like it needed to be in traction. So I did this class with Liam and he called me later and he said, so what did you think? And I said, I've never, I've said, I've never experienced anything like it. I said, that was nothing like anything that we ever did when we were doing karate. And there was a pause and he said, yeah, this is different. And again, I'm not here to to crap on anybody else's martial art, but the thing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that it's full contact. It's not theoretical. Not that there's anything wrong with that, to quote Jerry Seinfeld. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But it's uh, it's beautiful and brutal and real. And I knew that I, for me, I just, I wasn't ready for whatever reason in my life to make a commitment to training at that point. But I said to Liam, I said, look, if I ever get serious about training a martial art again, it will be Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And... Years went by and we would continue to chat about jiu-jitsu and life and all the things that we had in common. And he eventually got his black belt. And we had been talking about how one of his dreams was eventually to open his own school. And so I continued to get in better shape. I went through a long period of sort of reclaiming my body and losing weight and getting fit and so on and so forth. Never loved working out, never played sports, didn't have any of that at all as part of my story. But when he got to the point where he was finally ready to open his own school, I was ready to commit to training. And he had an open house. And I was the first person to sign up. That was a little over four years ago. It's one of the best decisions that I've ever made for myself. But your question is, what advice would I give to myself as a no-stripe white belt? And I'm in a very fortunate position that the advice that I got was the exact advice that I needed And so I'm going to tell you more of my story. And if you have tuned out by now, I I won't be offended. But I'm going to continue telling, telling a little bit more of my story and some of the advice that I got. But let me just begin with the fact that I was a baby. I acted like a two year old a lot of the time. And what I mean by that is. Every time I got a little tweak or a twinge 
or whatever, whatever might have happened to me that would hurt, I was immediately thinking I needed to go to the doctor. I needed to take a break. I don't know. I just don't know if I can do this. And I have some really cool friends. One of my friends is a former Navy SEAL. And I also happen to be friends with my jiu-jitsu coach outside of the school. And I just have a lot of friends that, listen, get friends that are honest with you. Get friends that will tell you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear. In fact, that's just great advice no matter what you're doing, whether it's jujitsu or whatever you're going to do. I mean, think about all the people that audition for shows like American Idol that are just terrible. And you ask yourself, doesn't this person have anybody in their life who's going to tell them that they're terrible? I mean, do it in a kind way. We don't want to kill people's dreams, but we want friends that are going to be that are going to be truthful. One of my mentors used to always say this quote. He used to say, Love without truth is weak, and truth without love is harsh. So I'm fortunate that I have very loving friends who don't have any problem telling me the truth. And the truth that I got from my Navy SEAL friend when I would go to him and say, Hey man, my knee hurts. Do you think I should take the week off? He'd say, No. I think you should stop being a baby. Let's be really clear that um, I want you all to be able to listen to this podcast in your car and um, and with your families and so on and so forth. And he didn't actually say baby, but for the sake of this podcast, he said, you need to stop being a baby. You can fill in any alternate words that feel appropriate for you or feel inappropriate for you and you want to use them anyhow. He said, stop being a baby, stretch. You've got to stretch. You've got to ice things. And you've got to know that now you're committed to training a combat sport. So the other thing he said was, I will let you know when you need to go to the doctor and you're probably not going to need to go to the doctor. And so I guess the the best, the best one of the first best pieces of advice I got was, it's hard And this is an opportunity to become tough. And I really needed that. It's one of the one of the best things. Physical and mental toughness are one of the greatest benefits of changing of uh, training jujitsu. And I'm immensely, immensely grateful to see those parts of me grow and expand. So I would say to that no stripe white belt, this is going to be an opportunity for you to toughen up. Um, You will know if you're actually injured, but minor aches and pains from using muscles that you've never used before, you don't need to take time off for that. Somebody hits a submission a little hard and you feel a little twinge of pain that lasts five or ten minutes, that because you're new and it freaks you out, you try to turn into something bigger than it is. You don't need to take time off for that. You need ice. You need um, Arnicare gel and you need to stretch. The other piece of advice that I got was more of like a heart to heart advice. And it came from it came from Liam. Liam McGowan is the owner of First Colony and the black belt instructor 
And then we've got other instructors. We've got Mike Frizzy, who is also a brown belt. We call him Frizz because his name is Frizz. And then Jeff, Jeff Grossman. These are our primary instructors. And then we've got our friend Matt Dolan, who is a amazing purple belt and a leg lock wizard. So he teaches our he teaches our leg locking class. And then we've got these other these other guys from Brazilian top team, Professor Lewis, and we've got Zach, who is I really want him to come on the podcast because he's a character, but he says that we'll get sued if he says what he really thinks about anything. So anyhow, the the next piece of advice that I got was from Liam and it was also from Jeff. And they said this, keep showing up. And it sounds like such a cliche. Their advice was to keep showing up. And each of them individually at different times would look me in the eye and they would say, Whatever I was going on about, they'd say, stop, stop, listen to me. If you keep coming, your game will form. There was one point in time when whatever we were doing, I think we were working like a five-point armbar drill, and I couldn't even get my foot onto my training partner's hip, and I was really discouraged. Jeff looked at me and said, that's going to work itself out if you keep showing up. If you keep showing up, your game will form. And I did not believe them. So to the, to the caller's question, I think probably the if I could go back to four years ago, no stripe white belt, me, I would say, hey, Jim, People who have been there are going to give you advice and they're going to be right. Don't doubt their advice. When you get advice, believe that it's true. Because I can tell you four years later, so I I, I really committed myself to training, I think, Initially, I was training like three or four times a week. It's four years later. I just received my purple belt from Liam, and I tend to train. I I try to train six days a week. I train six days a week this past year, most weeks. And then I am fortunate enough to get to teach a couple beginner adult classes which is an incredible, an incredible, first of all, the fact that my coaches trust me to teach adults beginner jujitsu is such a thrill. But the other piece of it is that that actually has done more for improving my jujitsu than anything else. This you know, I don't know how long these episodes are going to be. What I don't want to do is just talk for the sake of talking or try to fill time. But the thing that I can say as we begin to wrap up my White Belt podcast, episode one, is that the my early days were filled with me. Uh, they were filled with self-doubt. And they were 
filled with all kinds of doubt. And I stayed with it so that a guy who used to be 430 pounds has now lost over 200 pounds, has a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm never going to win Naga. I am never going to be a John Danaher. I'm never going to be a Gordon Ryan. If you ever see me doing technique videos on the My White Belt Instagram, they are going to be the simplest, simplest, simplest things that have helped me in my game. I'm not here. I'm not here as uh, as a jujitsu expert so much as I am here as an encouragement expert to say to you, to everyone who clicked like on that picture of Steve at 73 years old getting his blue belt, to everybody who was inspired by that, to the thousands and thousands of you who follow my white belt because you're looking for encouragement, because you're looking for somebody to say, if I can do this, you can do this. That's why I'm here. I'm not here to be a gold medalist. I'm here to be a gold medalist at encouraging people to try jiu-jitsu and to stay with jiu-jitsu once you've tried it. Because like that advice that I got early on in my practice, it proved itself to be true. My body does things that I never imagined it would do. And yours will as well. And there's so much more to say about this, but I think that's a good place for us to wrap up episode one of the My White Belt podcast. I hope that if you like this, you'll share it and do all the things that you're supposed to do. I don't even know really what I'm supposed to say, but when people, I don't know, like and subscribe, write a review wherever you listen to podcasts, I don't know, invite a friend to jujitsu. Next week, we are going to have, um, next week's episode is going to be a little different format. We're going to talk to Shane Mount, who is an amazing black belt from Rain Jiu-Jitsu in Boise, Idaho. It's a different kind of episode. I'm super excited for this. We're going to grow it. It's going to get better as we go. And for right now, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs>